Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to World Soccer Radio, presented by betonline.ag. We're coming to you on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm your host, Nick Eber. We are presented to you by betonline.ag. What a pleasure it is to be with you each and every weeknight at 6 p.m. Pacific. That's 9 Eastern, and then again at midnight Pacific. That's 3 a.m. Eastern, the uh, nighttime show is courtesy of Sports Overnight America. It is great to be with you, as it is with all of our men and women in uniform who are listening on the American Forces Network. It's a real pleasure uh, to be doing this show. Lots to get to today. We've had a weekend of international football. The Nations League, England eliminated after a match with Belgium. Oh, they lost 2-0. We can talk about that. Um, We have uh, France winning. Uh, Germany, all sorts of stuff we can talk about in the Nations League. If you like that tournament, I don't dislike that tournament. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I will definitely take the Nations League over a weekend of meaningless international uh, friendlies. Um, Also, very sad news, uh, Ray Clements, the legendary Liverpool goalkeeper. When I say legendary, uh, I mean legendary. This is a guy that was a part of the classic a great Liverpool team through the 70s and early 80s, an absolute legend of the game. Uh, Ray Clements dead at the age of 72 uh, from from prostate cancer. Now, look, guys, uh, I know uh, that nobody likes going to the doctor for this. Uh, certainly, no one likes a finger upside their uh, up their backside, and that's not the only way these days they can uh, see if they can ch- check you for it. But look, this disease is a killer, and it doesn't have to be if you get tested early. If they catch this disease early, it is extremely treatable, and it's got an incredibly high survival rate. Please, guys, go get checked. Don't let your pride get in the way of your life. I I implore you, please. Anyway, Ray Clements, uh, absolute legend of the game, passing away. Um, as I mentioned, we're presented by betonline.ag, and our podcast is available right after the show's conclusion. You can find it at the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V. And uh, we're also available on your favorite podcast provider, whether that's Apple, iTunes, or Spotify. All right, I'm going to take a break. Let's come back, kick it all off. Loads more football, World Soccer Radio. Nick Gieber, be right back after this. Welcome back to the show. And yes, I have to tell you this, guys. You are listening to World Soccer Radio, the only show that has the cojones to play the Dead Kennedys police truck as a segment intro, but cuts right out before we get to the really naughty stuff. You see? Because that's the way we do it here on World Soccer Radio. Nick Eber with you. Great to be with you as I am each and every weeknight, 6 p.m., not a.m., 6 p.m. Pacific. That's 9 on the East and once again on Sports Overnight America at midnight. That's 3 a.m. on the East Coast if you are really a night owl. 
We are presented by betonline.ag and with the NFL season in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to teams, player, coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Plus, there's the online casino as well if you want poker and slots. They got it all, and it never closes. Head over to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. Let them be your online sportsbook experts. And they are indeed. I had a lot of fun last uh, weekend betting on the Premier League. I mentioned that. I got a 75% success rate, including a number of exact scores. So I was happy. I did make a little money, but not much because I don't bet a lot because betting for me is fun, not a way of life, as it should be, I think, with everyone. But lots to get to because we've had a whole slate of nations, uh, UEFA Nations League games over the weekend. This is kind of a tournament that was put in place, uh, first of all, to spin loads of money for FIFA, for UEFA, because that's what they do. Uh, but also in response to some of the lack of interest that was being generated around this sort of seemingly endless, endless parade of meaningless friendly games that were being presented to people on a regular basis. And what they found was happening, viewerships were down. As a result, sponsorship revenue was down. Uh, there was some pushback from a lot of the players that didn't want to go play these games because, you know, look, if you're, if you're England and you're playing a, a friendly against Andorra, do you really, do you really want to take the chance of getting injured? So the other issue is that the national coaches were saying, look, we don't really get many opportunities to sort of test our team in the uh, crucible of fire of an actual competitive tournament. So UEFA changed it up, created the Nations League. I like the concept. I like the league. Okay, look, we'll all admit that it's, it's kind of weird how they d create spots in the, in the Euros for it and how they do this and that. And, you know, there's also Euro qualifying. And, but uh, there is a trophy at the end of it, and that always means something. And when you're playing for league, stand, league standings and uh, round robin, you know, group stages and then a knockout stage, I think the tournament has a lot more meaning. I like it. It keeps my interest. I can tell you, I watched a number of the Nations League games over the weekend where if they were just friendlies, I probably wouldn't have watched them unless they were England and maybe the U.S. national team if they were playing somebody of interest and they had most of their good players, like, for example, they did against Wales. I thought that was a, a fun friendly. But those fun friendlies, quite honestly, are few and far between. Uh, but having said that, the group stages are just about done. One more match left in the group stages. And again, there are different groups here based on your rankings, groups uh, League A, B, C, and D. Uh, in terms of Group 1, Italy and the Netherlands right now would seem to be the two teams that are going to go through. Italy beating Poland 2-0 at home. Uh, the Dutch beating Bosnia-Herzegovina uh, at home in Amsterdam. Uh, the match is still to play. Uh, Italy has to go to Sarajevo to play Bosnia. Uh, the Dutch have to go to uh, Chorzov to play Poland. Uh, I don't think anything's going to happen there. Uh, Bosnia are out. They can't go through. Poland, with a win, could leapfrog the Dutch. It's highly unlikely Italy are going to lose to Bosnia. So I suppose all things are to play for in Chorzov when Poland will host the Dutch team because the chance, chance to get out of the group in first, in second, and of course with an incredible stroke of weirdness, maybe in first place if Bosnia can beat Italy. And again, that is at home. Crazy things have happened, but I think most unlikely. 
Um, the next group is uh, Belgium, Denmark, England, and Iceland. And a couple of interesting results today. England played Denmark uh, in Wembley. Earlier, excuse me, I'm just, uh, I'm reading something as I talk to you, so you'll excuse me for that. Uh, today, uh, England uh, went to, uh, to Belgium to uh, the King Power Stadium, believe it or not, in Leuven and lost 2-0. It was a, uh, it was a uh, tough game because uh, England had a number of injured players. They didn't field their strongest squad. Belgium certainly fielded their strongest squad, and um, it was 2-0. I wouldn't say the game was as close as maybe the scoreline uh, suggests, but it, it, was, it, was, it, was, uh, well, it was closer than the scoreline would suggest. I'm having trouble talking today. I don't know what the problem is. Uh, Denmark, on the other hand, hosted Iceland beating them 2-1. So the situation is England now have to host Iceland at Wembley and Belgium will host Denmark. Barring any, any massive uh, tonking, uh, Denmark would have to lose against Belgium in a big, big way. And England would have to uh, beat Iceland in a big, big way. Although I'm not sure uh, what the... Uh, what the tiebreaker is here. If it's head-to-head, -head, England are definitely out. I think England are out of Group 2 at this point. I think it's Belgium and Denmark. Uh, group 3 is France, Portugal, Croatia, and Sweden. And the French team looked terrific. They had a match, excuse me, they had a match against uh, Portugal uh, in Lisbon. It was a great match if you watched it. France winning 1-0, really looking like a very, very good team. And the Swedes hosting Croatia in Solna, beating them 2-1. So, you know, when I look at this group, uh, it's clearly going to be, it cannot be anyone other than France and Portugal uh, coming out of this group. Croatia and Sweden are gonzo. Group four, Germany, Spain, Ukraine, and Switzerland. This one's kind of interesting, Sil. Uh, Germany, great result uh, at home, beating Ukraine 3-1. The Swiss drew Spain 1-1 at home, and that threw this whole group into turmoil. Uh, first of all, Sergio Ramos missing two penalties, if you could believe that. But now, with a win, if Ukraine were to beat Switzerland, okay, in Lucerne, and France and and um, Germany beat Spain, well, hello, uh, you could have the Ukraine and Germany coming out of this group, and Spain uh, losing out. Uh, an interesting one to look at, and uh, one we should definitely follow. Those were sort of the highlights from the Nations League today, and I apologize for that kind of weird pause I had midway through. I was looking at uh, reading a couple of game notes because I did not read, I did not see every match because I am human and there are only 24 hours in a day. Uh, one of the things I love, by the way, about the Nations League and uh, most of the tournaments these days is almost every one of them is available on some streaming platform for you to enjoy, whether it's uh, ESPN Plus in the case of the Nations League or whether it's the Champions League and the Europa League in the case of CBS or the Premier League for Peacock. And, of course, ESPN have a whole bunch of other leagues as well. It's, it's kind of nice because you can see everything. You can pick and choose which matches you want. You can go back and see them if you didn't see them before. But, look, I'd love to know what you think of the Nations League Send me a tweet at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R, or find me on Facebook, facebook.com uh, forward slash World Soccer Radio. Uh, let me know what you think about the Nations League. 
would you rather enjoy a competitive tournament or would you rather see more friendlies? And there are people, by the way, that would like to see uh, more friendlies. There are definitely, uh, there's definitely a school of thought where people enjoy the friendly games. Uh, I am for sure not one of them. Fif 50 million substitutions and a game where someone gets injured and your favorite club players out for the rest of the season uh, playing a meaningless game isn't something that I particularly enjoy. I do, however, enjoy bringing this show to you, and I do have to go to break, but I will be right back. When I get back, let's talk a little bit about Ray Clements, his sad passing, his legacy, a changing of the guard, a changing of the cycles. I keep talking about it on this show. Let's get back to it after the break. World Soccer Radio. All right, welcome back. World Soccer Radio presented by BetOnline.ag. I'm your host, Nick Kieber. Uh, just a reminder, the podcast of this show is available at our podcast network, which is the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V. And um, you can find the show in its entirety as soon as it's over. You can find it there. And also you can get it, uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, and they've got other great football programming not quite as good as this but other good shows as well there's bsi the podcast which is hosted by uh, benny failhaber sal ciso Ico para and uh, also shep messing has a show and if you know anything about uh, soccer in america shep messing an absolute legend a new york legend first and foremost but a legend nevertheless and he does have a daily show on the red bulls if you are a fan or not shep show always very entertaining check him out at the believe podcast network spotify or apple podcasts okay um lots of stories making their way around the world of football and coming up i'm going to talk a little bit about ray clements the passing of uh, liverpool legend ray clements and uh, what that meant to me and what it means and maybe take a brief look back at kind of some of the evolution of the game since Ray Clements's time. Uh, but there are some other interesting stories going around as we round out the uh, weekend, uh, the final week of the international break. And I have to say, thank goodness, because I, for one, I'm just tired of it. Yes, I love the Euros, and we're going to get to them. And the Nations League is entertaining. But it's like, it's like when you're a kid, you know, and, and you're playing your game, and these days playing video games, and I have an 11-year-old, so I know how this is, and I know you're saying, how does an old man like you have an 11-year-old? I know, I know. You don't, no, no more comments, okay? Um, but, you know, it's like you're playing video games and someone says, stop, you've got to do your homework. That's a little like, for me, what international football is. And look, if you're a fan of MLS or, you know... Liga R or, you know, a league that maybe isn't the world's top league, then you might really be excited come international football time. Um, I am less excited about international football than I have ever been. Uh, part of it is because uh, with globalization, with uh, all the other things that come along with that, the fact that the league that I love and follow uh, that used to be, and we'll talk about this in the next segment, you know, really made up very much of those players to whom that league belonged. So back in Ray Clements' era, you know, it was a lot of English players 
on an English team. Uh, it's very much a who's who of the greatest players in the world nowadays in the big leagues in Europe. And that, to me, is what makes it so fascinating. So it's kind of like it's the ultimate in international football, really. And that, yeah, you could take an Argentine team, for example, that may have three or four great players, and then the rest of them are just okay. It's rare that you get a situation where you get teams like a France or a Germany that come stacked with so many really incredible players. Oh, in the modern era, we're talking about now. Okay, we're talking about in the modern era. Because the way the top leagues work is they just pilfer the absolute best. I mean, Pele spent almost his entire career with Santos. Think about that for a minute. Do you really think in 2020 uh, Pele would be playing with Santos? No, a Pele would be playing with a Barcelona or a Madrid or a Man City or a whoever. So things change. Football change. The, for me, the import of international football has changed and become less because the football, quite honestly, not as good, not as exciting. There's not as much at stake. Into, yeah, there's pride of nation, and that means a lot. And yeah, lifting the World Cup or lifting the, uh, the uh, Euro is a huge achievement, one that players dream of, no doubt. But lifting the Nations League trophy? Lifting an international Champions Cup uh, when they do the internationals? I don't mean the, the club team ones. And pardon me, ICC, I probably used you as an improper uh, example. For me, I, I, I don't know. It just I, I'm kind of left a little cold. It's the same thing with Major League Soccer, guys. It, it, no disrespect. By the way, no disrespect. If you, I love the national game, the international game, but it, it doesn't excite me like the Premier League does. Major League Soccer is a fine domestic league. There's nothing wrong with Major League Soccer in terms of what you get. It's very much what you see is what you get. Don't listen to the spin masters and the spin meisters and all the rest of this stuff. You know, you can see what you get in MLS. You get a you get a good solid soccer league. Do you get the best in the world? No. You don't. You get what you get. If you're a look, if you're a fan of an MLS team, God bless you. You can enjoy it and love it and and have a wonderful time and 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 feel married to your team, feel like they're a part of your family and and all of the above. So and and that's good and that's the that's the role it serves. But if you want the best football in the world, you're not going to get it in Major League Soccer. You're not going to get it in the Nations League. You're not going to get it in the Euros. You're not going to get it in the World Cup. You're going to see some of the best players in the world for sure in the international tournaments. In MLS, you're going to see some of the maybe want players who once were the best players in the world. But for me, the club game, the Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, maybe Serie A times, these are the leagues that really get my attention. And of course, the creme de la creme de la creme would be the Champions League and um, that is where I like to in make most of my emotional investment. All right, uh, enough of me popping on about this. I've been on this. Uh, I've been on this train before. Uh, let's talk about some of some gossip. And I, I know uh, in the last segment, maybe I got a couple more pieces to talk about as well. 
But uh, Paul Pogba, you know, we talk about Paul Pogba, and I've been mentioning Pogba on and off here the last week, two or three uh, at Man Man United. You know, he's been starting on the bench recently, or starting on the bench the last few games. Uh, And, you know, he's 27 years old. He's worth a lot of money. He's an exceptional talent. And he's playing in a Man United team where it's just, it's just not quite right. And and again, uh, he's just not quite right for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's system. There's something about it. And so he's saying publicly that it's a very difficult spell. I think United are going to ship him out for a number of reasons. I think they need four or five players to come in. I think the amount of money they could get for Paul Pogba is large. I think his I think his um his contribution to the team has been limited and I think the value you're going to get for for him is going to be in cash and I would not be surprised if Man United move him if not January certainly the summer and use it as an opportunity to rebuild and rebuild they must as uh, currently uh, you know United are off to one of their worst starts in, in living history and find themselves right now in 14th spot in the table seven games in for them Honestly, even if they win their eighth game, it would still only take a mid-table. And that, for Manchester United supporters and Manchester United club and the legend and the mystique and the history, is unacceptable. And, you know, when you look back over the course of Manchester United managerial changes since uh, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson left, retired, you have to ask yourself, were United too quick to pull the trigger on David Moyes? Where would they be today if David Moyes hadn't left the club? Oh, I know, I know, I know. You're going to look at West Ham and say, okay, well, yeah, but, uh, you know, the Hammers are in 12th place. Fair enough. But with the resources and the wherewithal of Man United, he will have had a lot more to work with than he has had up to this point to work with uh, at West Ham United. And quite frankly, he hasn't done a terrible job at West Ham at all. I mean, they've had some good results. Uh, King going to Leicester, beating them 2-1. Quite frankly, a tough result for them, 2-1 at Anfield. I thought they played very well against Liverpool. I guess the shocker was their uh, 2-1 defeat against Fulham, but, you know, those things happen. So, yeah, where would they be? Should they have kept David Moyes? Should they have kept on that sort of consistency of management? We'll never know because they didn't. But anyway, uh, I expect Paul Pogba at some point in the not-too-distant future to be moved along at United, uh, and they will use that as an opportunity uh, to rebuild. Uh, Look, we are just about out of time on this segment. Uh, When we come back after the break, uh, the great Ray Clements uh, passes away over the weekend, very sad at the age of 72. Uh, I'm going to look back at his life, tell you a little bit about what he meant, a little bit about the era at which he played, some of his teammates at Liverpool, um, 
you know, and let's look back at Ray Clemens and think about the changes in the game uh, since his era. All right, this is World Soccer Radio. I'm Nick Gieber, Monday through Friday, 6 uh, p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, and then again on Sports Overnight America at midnight Pacific, that's 3 a.m. Eastern. Uh, you can find me on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports, and the Sports, Byline, uh, Sports Byline Broadcast Network, American Forces, and iHeart TuneIn, and the Believe Podcast Network. All right, I'm going to step aside when we come back. Let's talk about the great Ray Clements. All right, welcome back to the show. World Soccer Radio on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Also Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. And a big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. I am your host, Nick Eber. Great to be with you. Uh, sad day, sad weekend as uh, the news uh, has reverberated that uh, legend, goalkeeping legend, Liverpool legend, England legend, Tottenham legend, Ray Clements passed away from prostate cancer over the weekend uh, at the age, the young age of 72 years old. Uh, very sad indeed. Um, if you're new to the sport, and there's an assumption that I make uh, that many people here in the United States are new to the sport uh, in the last, I don't know, I mean, let's, let's give it, since I've been doing this, 20 years, okay? Since I've been on the air here in the U.S., 20 years. Uh, many of you probably don't know who Ray Clements was. Part of that is the same way that if you want to talk to me about the great NFL teams of the 1970s, uh, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you who the great players were. I mean, sure, uh, there's the guys on the commercials all the time um, whose name escapes me now. That just tells you how much I know about it. But uh, allow me to fill you in a little bit on the legend that was Ray Clements. He was English. He was signed from... Uh, he started his footballing career in 1966, for Scunthorpe United, which was then in the th which was then a third division team, which now would me mean it was in the uh, uh, League Two. But Bill Shankly, the Liverpool, the the legendary Liverpool manager Bill Shankly, uh, saw something in Ray Clements and signed him in 1967 for Scunthorpe for the whopping fee of eighteen thousand pounds. Also inter interesting to know, signed in the same general time frame. Uh, from Scunthorpe United was um, uh, another absolutely great player uh, that also um, was scouted by, <coughs> excuse me, uh, also was uh, scouted by um, um, Bill Shankly. We're talking, of course, about Kevin Keegan, who moved to Liverpool uh, just a few years later, played at Scunthorpe through 1971. Um, Ray Clements moved to Liverpool in 1967. But, you know, obviously Scunthorpe United was a, uh, was a hotbed of recruiting for Bill Shankly. Uh, so uh, Ray Clements goes to Liverpool and plays 
at Liverpool in its glory, in its halcyon days, in, in its, its glory days, in, in the great era of Liverpool Football Club, club through the late 60s through the 70s. He left in 1981 uh, largely as a result of, well, part of it was uh, he'd already had 470 caps, uh, 470 appearances for Liverpool, um, but he was getting a lot of pressure in goal from Bruce Grobelaar, who was another Liverpool legend but uh, decided at that time that he would move to Tottenham Hotspur where he played another 240 games over a seven-year period. Uh, I mean, this large man, and he was six foot, which for the time was a big player, okay? Not just uh, a goalkeeper, but an aggressive goalkeeper and sort of one who really saw that his job in goal was to be more than just stand between the, the sticks and he was really acted a, a lot he swept up the mess that the defenders couldn't get not just stop the shots in goal uh, really a goalkeeper far ahead of his time um, he when it came to England he had 60 uh, he had uh, 63 uh, 63 caps for England but the problem that he had for England was, you know, he 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 was an England goalkeeper at the time that the great P Peter Shilton uh, was an England goalkeeper. So, uh, you know, it was it, he was sort of the second choice to Peter Shilton, and uh, he probably would have had more than the sixty-four or so caps that he had uh, if if Peter Shilton hadn't have been there. His numbers were absolutely stupendous with Liverpool. He won the league. Five times, 72, 75, 76, 78, 79. He won an FA Cup. He won a League Cup. He won, uh, what, four or five charity shields, three European Cups. We talk about the great age of Liverpool. His final season, 80-81, they won the European Cup, 76, 77, 77, 78. Keep in mind, in four years, Liverpool won the European Cup three times. He won two UEFA Cups, a Super Cup. He also won the FA Cup, the Charity Shield, and the UEFA Cup with Tottenham. Look, the man was an absolute legend and played at that time in Liverpool, as I mentioned, when it was the stuff of legends. If you, take, if you think about the players that Ray Clements played with, we're talking about Roy Evans and Emlyn Hughes and Tommy Smith and Phil Thompson and Ian Callaghan and Steve Highway, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Kevin Keegan, Toshak. Think about that for a minute. This guy played on the legendary teams of Liverpool Football Club. And his era transcended the sort of great teams of the early 70s all the way to the great teams of the late 70s. You talk, uh, when you know Bob Paisley was at the helm. You're talking about Kenny Dalgleish and David Fairclough. Uh, Terry McDermott, one of my absolute favorite midfielders, by the way. Uh, Ray Kennedy. We, um, I'm just trying to think who else was on those great teams of him. I'm sure I'm, I'm missing a few guys. Alan Hansen. And you know, the interesting thing is, uh, if you look back at the makeup of those teams... I mean, everyone on those teams was English. I think the 70-71 team was pretty much everyone was English, maybe with uh, the um, with one or two exceptions uh, from Wales, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm just trying to think who would have been, who would not have been English. Uh, well, obviously, Toshak was Welsh. 
Oh yeah, Stevie Highway was Irish, and um, hmm, maybe or one of my uh, listeners will fill, will uh, jog my memory. I could probably look it up if I have time. Um, but you know how times have changed. How times have changed in the eras of football, and this is one of the things, one of the legacies, one of the memories uh, of of a legend like Ray Clements. When you get to look back at the cycles of change in football, which, as you know, is something that I talk about a lot on this show, the cycles of change in football. Not only did he play in the great era when, when English teams dominated Europe, of course, up till Heysel, and then after Heysel, uh, you know, English teams were banned for a period of time from European football, and that was sort of the great changeover. You saw the big Spanish teams sort of dominate for years and years in, in uh, the European Cup, and you saw the English teams struggle to rebuild uh, their European pedigree, which, of course, now they fully regained. And out of that, you also saw the emergence of uh, the Premier League era and Manchester United as the dominant force and the, uh, and the, um, the change in uh, the game in and of itself as a result of Hillsborough, uh, where, of course, they got rid of uh, the terraces and the standing and they went to individual seat mandates and the individual seat tickets and the, the price started pricing the sort of element, the, the 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 element that had been the glue, the supporters' glue of football out, and football started to become a bit of the prawn cocktail crowd. So you really saw this whole that whole era between '67 when Ray Clements joins Liverpool, all the way through '81 when he leaves and goes to Tottenham, uh, through the mid '80s, through Heysel, through the changes. You get into the '90s, you start to get into the Premier League. E- e- Premier League era. So Ray Clements really represents the end of the old era of English football. And of course the advent of the Premier League era you start to see a completely different makeup of teams. Gone are the days when you're going to have a squad of entirely English players and you're going to have a, a couple of Welshmen and Irishmen and maybe a Scotsman thrown in there. Of course, if, if you're in the US and you don't understand, these are different countries. They're all part of the United Kingdom, but they're all different countries. So it's fascinating when we look and, and mourn the passing of this legend. And I never met him, uh, but from everything I've heard and been told, he was an absolutely lovely guy. A humble, a humble man, um, really thought of others, loved the clubs that he came from, and was loved as well. I mean, it's very rare that when uh, there's stories of Ray Clements playing for Tottenham, uh, going to Anfield, and uh, when he's uh, playing in front of the cop in goal for the opposition team, his name is being <laughs> sung by the fans uh, in tribute. So there's a lot to be said about the man, and but his passing really can bring us full circle to the changes in the game since his day. And they have been absolutely monumental changes. I mean, I remember starting to follow Liverpool in 1971, 72, uh, the great teams, Ray Clements, obviously part of those teams. So for me personally, um, I'm not looking... It's sad because he was 72 years old. He was a relatively young man, but I'm smiling because... I get to look back and remember uh, some of the great memories of my youth. It really is uh, unbelievable to think how much the sport has evolved and changed 
in the time since Ray Clements. And of course, I mentioned Ray Clements making way for Bruce Grobler. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Grobler really was at the helm of the last great Liverpool team uh, up until its, uh, I won't say its demise, but its turmoil. And, you know, we can say the word turmoil with with a grain of salt because the one thing Liverpool has always done, even when it wasn't winning the Premier League year over year, is Liverpool was competing in Europe, whether it was uh, UEFA Cups, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, Istanbul in uh, 2001, whether it was, um, you know, the odd FA Cup here and there. They still managed to compete but there was no, there was no, um, there was no great era. And by the way, I'm sorry, I said 2001. Of course, I meant 2005. Um, there was no great era. So Ray Clements has passed. It's an opportunity to look back at the evolution of the game and the cycles. And possibly we're seeing another cycle now in the Premier League as more and more teams are getting big investments from foreign money, uh, the ability to buy top players, further internationalize the teams continue. And yes, you're seeing the best league in the world. I wouldn't say hands down because there's obviously a lot of great competition. But um, the game has changed. 2001, of course, was uh, Liverpool's treble year where they won the FA Cup, the Worthington Cup, and the UEFA Cup. All right, uh, I'm going to have to go to break. When we come back, let's talk about some of the gossip making its way around the world of football. There's some interesting stories out there, some stories worthy of discussion. Stay with me here on World Soccer Radio. I'm Nick Eber, and I'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back. World Soccer Radio, just a couple of minutes left. Some stories I didn't get to, which I guess we'll get to during the week. But look, um, Man City are needing to uh, do a little refreshing of the squad. I've been saying on this show for some time, and of course the league tables are not lying, that they're a little stale right now, that the Pep Guardiola era has been so very successful for them outside of Europe. Um but, you know, it's like after a while you've got you to gotta stir the pot a little bit to uh, bring the flavor back up to the top. And I think that's what they're going to be doing. They are being linked with everyone from uh, Erling Brett Howland, who would, wow, you want to talk about an unbelievable player, by the way. Exciting, young, dynamic, going to be one of the world's greats if he can steer clear of injury. And uh, Lautaro Martinez at Inter Milan, they're both supposedly targets of Man City. We're talking about Lionel Messi being a target of Man City. And I would have to believe that he would take that challenge seriously, by the way, um, as opposed to a move to an MLS retirement home. The other one, of course, is Pep Guardiola. He's been the big question mark at City. And the rumors are that he is getting ready to sign a new contract. If Guardiola signs a new contract, that will show the intent of City's owners. Uh, not that we ever question it, by the way, with the amount of money they put in. And uh, I would not be surprised to see the likes of Haaland uh, and Messi arriving at the Etihad at some point here in the not-too-distant future to refresh that team and make them serious challenges again domestically. Not that they're not, 
but internationally i think that's at the end of the day what they're after but look this is a topic for another time let's pick that up tomorrow talk about it some more in the meantime um i do have to go because all good things come to an end and my time here today is over just a reminder to check out the podcast at the believe podcast network b-l-e-a-v that's our podcast network and we are presented by betonline.ag. I uh, want to remind you to head over there, meet your online sportsbooks experts. And just a reminder, if you're going to bet on sports, make it part of your entertainment and not a lifestyle. All right, folks, till tomorrow, have a great night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.